This week on the Koshcast. A wave of the magic wonder and Icardi arrives in Paris, so too does a misused goalkeeper by the name of Kalon Navas, Mkhitaryan flies to Rome and promptly gets stuck in traffic, and Alexis Sanchez to Inter is unlikely to leave many defences in a panic. After the transfer window, we move on to discuss this week's action in the Premier League in Serie A. So naturally, it's North London derby, City and Liverpool continue their parties, United and Chelsea still can't get started, and Juventus beat Napoli via an own goal from Koulibaly. Join us. Hello, Alex. How are you? Hello. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Uh, great. It's a great evening. <laughs> Good evening, Toyoto. Uh, and more importantly, how is little Bernie? Uh, uh, by which I great. mean your son, rather, rather than anything yeah, right. else. <laughs> Alex, I didn't think we were uh, close <laughs> like that. <laughs> but uh, both of them are great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to to hear it. So uh, we are talking on what is the European transfer deadline day. So obviously a couple of weeks ago, we had the Premier League one. And tonight we've got the European one where all the other leagues finished doing all their silly business. Um, So before we go on to talk about the the Premier League action this week, do you want to do you want to chat mental transfers? Yeah, and and I will say before we do that, um, the it looks like uh, there was a report uh, last week that uh, the Premier League clubs are going to have another vote, or they, at least some clubs are going to bring it up to say this is really really dumb that <laughs> we don't have the same window. Can we go back to how it used to be? And, really? Uh, well, yeah, it looks like that's going to happen next time. The, the is it the chairman or whatever whoever meets to decide things, um, and. I think we all kind of said we agree with the principle. It doesn't make sense if if you, other teams can poach your player. Yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of hoping they might give it another year or two and wait for the other European leagues to follow suit. Because ultimately, if everyone does it, it's really good for everyone. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't want everything sorted before the season starts. But if the, if the other leagues aren't going to do it, then, then obviously it's a big disadvantage to the English clubs. So not surprised well, I, that they'll be voting on it. I think what happens is, and I'll use this to get into some of the transfers, like teams like Roma kind of look at their team and go, uh-uh. Uh, we're not what we thought we were. Let's get in Smalling and Mkhitaryan. <laughs> now, listen, uh, I don't know how Premier League clubs can look at that and be annoyed by it. <laughs> They've just got a couple of weeks to sell off all their dead wood. Oh, my God. Um, where do I start? So I'll start with Chris Smalling. Um, okay, they're, they're, Chris Smalling is not the most horrendous defender. He's, he has certain skills, except for passing the ball. He has other skills, and he has had he 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 defends well in stretches. There might be like a fighting situation. Go, ooh, if not, you're pretty good. And then he's trash again. So, United fans like myself are actually pretty happy that he's gone off on loan. Many of them wish it was Phil Jones rather than Smalling or whatever. Roma needed a defender, and Smalling was available. Of, de- of available-ish defenders, you're going him or Mustafi, and I think you go with Smalling or Mustafi, so they probably got the best they could do, which is oh, still oh, not great, in my opinion. That, that's not even a, a decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% Smalling all day. I, you know, Smalling can defend. You're right. I, I think the last couple of seasons have been 
very damaging to his reputation, which until then really wasn't bad at all. Um, he seems to have lost confidence, if anything, but that, that possibly might have something to do with all the changes in managers and that, you know, sometimes he's a manager's starting center back and then the next manager doesn't rate him. And, uh, you know, his, his career has kind of been all over the place for a couple of years. I'm not sure that going on loan to Roma is going to help that necessarily. I'm kind of impressed that he was willing to do it, but, um, you know, Roma have Fazio as their starting center back. So maybe Smalling can do the running for him because they also have Mancini, um, and uh, who else is there? Juan Jesus, who's pretty much the worst defender of all time. So he's going to be either starting or the first sub. So, like, yeah, good for him. I think I think for him it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think we're really damaged reputation more than anything else with Gareth Southgate dropping him because yeah. there was a point where he was actually considered, you know, not bad under Jose. And, you know, even Ole showed faith in him in the beginning. And then, I mean, before that... Gareth Southgate dropped him, which probably should have been a warning sign for everybody. And that's really what saw the emergence of Harry Maguire. Because people said, who the hell is this guy? They're starting over Smalling. Like, I don't, we don't, people didn't understand that. So his time in England, you know, I think that was the, the death knell, so to say. And it was just a matter of time. But you're right. Roma do not have a good track record with defenders, which maybe should actually set alarm bells ringing that they did this. But if, if there's a chance for him to prove himself, it should be in a league that's known for defending, but we'll probably get to how they're actually not very good at it right now. Yeah, no, they're not defending anyone. They're not defending uh, uh, goals from strikers. And they're not defending uh, ethnic minorities from racism. Not, they can't defend anything. <laughs> um, let, let's, focus, let's stay with Romo just for a second. Um, because they've also signed Henrik Mkhitaryan, uh, which I, as an Arsenal fan, am absolutely delighted about because he has... And been... I, as a United fan, are delighted about any you know, <laughs> secondary. <Yeah. laughs> I, uh, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Mkhitaryan has been dreadful overall since his transfer to Arsenal. He's had moments. He's had uh, a surprising amount of goals and assists in his first season, given his performances. Um, but this season and last he's he's just been really bad and he doesn't really have a position he's not your classic number 10 he doesn't look particularly comfortable wide it's kind of unclear what he is and he's never looked confident i think that his his period at man united really just blew his career up and he hasn't recovered since um again really not sure what roma are doing here they have uh, Under who plays on the right, they have Clivert who plays on the left, they have Pastore, um, uh, and they also have um, oh god, what's his name? The guy that takes brilliant penalties, Perotti. Um, so they, and Pastore they can't fit in anyway, and so now they've just got another old, bad attacking midfielder. I, again, a bit weird. But this is what this club does. I mean, signing Kolarov and signing Jekko, whatever we say about the quality of those two guys and how good they've actually been for Roma, they like going for this old, you know, kind of not fancied by the previous team type of guy. I don't, I don't know why that's still been their strategy. You know, I think under Monkey um, or Monchi, I, I, I tell me how to say this name. I always forget. I think Monchi, but I don't know. Okay, under Monchi, they tried to do something different for a little bit and then they threw him away because it wasn't any good. <laughs> no, no. Well, he, he signed for story. I mean, it's bizarre. Um, 
But uh, just on Kolarov, I think he's the top scorer this season um, from left back, only with set pieces. But um, to, to your point, they've also signed Niko Kalinic from uh, Atletico Madrid, another old cast-off that nobody else wanted, just to, I guess to play back up to Jacko. So, uh, but the big story, the big, big story that I wasn't necessarily anticipating uh, is that Mauro Icard, international man of infamy and lunatic wife Wanda will be taking their respective talents to Paris and Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, this one confuses me. I knew I know they were throwing him around, you know, all over Europe, but what do Paris Saint-Germain need him for? I don't really understand this at all. I mean, this strikes me as an opportunity signing. Uh, it also strikes me as something you don't do unless you're damn sure that Neymar is leaving. And that hasn't been confirmed yet. And the deadline has passed. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, but here's the thing. My initial reaction, uh, as was yours when, when we found this out, was what about Cavani, right? Cavani, thinking about it, Cavani is, is about 32 he has a phenomenal goal record, but at some point you're going to need to replace a central striker. Um, and maybe that should have been Mbappe, uh, although he's still so young and he's still so good coming from wide. So at some point you need to replace Cavani, I guess. And this option popped up and it kind of wouldn't normally. And this is a guy with you know 124 goals and 219 appearances for Inter Milan. Baggage aside, he's a quality, quality striker. So is it understandable from that perspective? It's, it's understandable in the sense of, yes, if you're looking to replace Cavani, but you don't need to do that right now. You have Kylian Mbappe, who's absolutely tearing it up um, in, in France, and it's really too easy for him. Um, you also have Cavani himself, right? If you want to play Di Maria, closer striker or Draxler, you can do that in, in case he gets injured. Um, but at the same time, what's the end game here? Because you're you're not winning the Champions League. You're just not. I think that ship has sailed. We all know Neymar's going to get injured again in February and then go to Brazil, hang out with his sister or whatever. And then then what? Even with him, I don't think they're going to win the Champions League. So if, if I were them, I would retool the whole squad and figure that out before getting someone like a Cardi. But then again... Maybe it's a no risk because it's a loan with options to buy. So you might as well see how that goes. Maybe that's how they're thinking about it. I don't know. That's true. There's no obligation they could send him back after a year, which is probably smart because they might want to. <laughs> and it's funny that Inter, you know, I think a week or so ago, Conte basically just said uh, he he spoke about Cavani, but he did it as though Cavani, um, sorry, Icardi, uh, he did it as though Icardi had already left. Like he spoke about him as an ex-player and he was still at the club. They just ruled him out from moment one. And I think that is the kind of clarity of thought and clarity of uh, objective that you get with a coach like Conte. Like he probably walked in and said, we're not doing this shit anymore. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's really positive uh, as, from an inter perspective. Um, but uh, from a PSG point of view, not only do they have a new a new striker, they also have a new goalkeeper. Keylor Navas has finally escaped Real Madrid's uh, uh, dungeon and uh, will be the first choice goalkeeper, I would assume, at PSG, who have sent uh, Ariola the other way. 
Yeah, I think this is a good move for PSG for once. Um, I, they've been looking for a quality goalkeeper for a long time, which made them go the ill-advised route of Buffon. Um, and Ariola was better than Buffon at that point. You know, absolute legend of the game, but when you finish, you're finished. Um, and Kaelin Navas, to me, is far from finished. I know he's not a tall goalkeeper, but he has reflexes like 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 no other goalkeeper in the game. And you know what? I feel like he was totally disrespected during his time um, at Real Madrid. Not maybe not necessarily by the managers, but definitely by the president who wanted you know De Gea for so long and then decided to get Courtois to replace Navas. But also about the fans. I don't think they ever took to him for whatever reason. Um, but he's been a quality goalkeeper, and now PSG finally have a quality, quality goalkeeper in their ranks. Now, I know Mohamed says they need to go galactical, but, you know, P- PSG, in my opinion, needs to get completely away from the idea of galactical and actually build a team with the right personnel. Yeah, and, and I think we've seen them take a step towards that this summer with, you know, Idris with Ander Herrera, whatever you think of him. Um, he's not a flash signing. Um, and, and, and Navas is a sensible option in goal. And let's not forget, uh, he's won four Champions Leagues. <laughs> you know, the guy knows what it takes to get to get things done. And oh, yeah. he's, he's an upgrade. He's definitely an upgrade for them. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of goalkeepers, uh, sorry, this one's just caught my eye. Azmir Begovic has gone to Karabag. What? <laughs> <laughs> we can leave that there. I just I just wanted to throw that in. Um, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> what else is going on? I'm just looking through the deals. Oh, okay. So we were talking about Monchi earlier, right? Yeah. And how his time in Rome was was very dubious, and he's gone back to Sevilla where he feels comfortable and has done some decent business by the looks of it. And then he's ruined it all today because. He signed Javier Hernandez again. Ooh, ooh. Like, well, why? You know what? I, I was thinking about this. I, I, I know they lost Ben Yedder, and I'm not sure who. Um, I, 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 I know. I just can't remember the name of who their starting striker is going to be. Um, I don't think. I don't presume it's Hernandez. I think he's going to be a bench option for them. If I'm, it not better not be Hernandez. But I feel like Hernandez has always been best coming off the bench, anyway. Like, I don't, I don't think like he's a spark plug off the bench, and if that's what they're getting, then that's okay. Um, you know, I, I, I don't even think it was up to ten million that they paid for him. So no, it was not yeah, a it was bad less. shot at all. It was less. Personally, I would have brought him back to United to come off the bench. I have no problem with that. But wow. this is not the all-star <laughs> striker that Sevilla should have been looking for. Sorry, that is a. Uh, a damning indictment of where Manchester United are right now. Um, well, not really, because Napoli bought, uh, and we'll get on to this, Napoli bought, Fernando, well, not bought, they're just signed Fernando Llorente, who's two goals in two years to come off their bench, and if you want a bench option, I'm pretty sure Chicharito's better than Fernando Llorente <laughs> anyway. Uh, so. I don't think Chicharito would have got Spurs to the Champions League final last year in the same way that Llorente... big enough. <laughs> Exactly. In the same way that Urente can bundle you through, um, Napoli probably looked at that and were like, we're, we're going to be in the Champions League. Okay, can you do the yeah. same thing? You only ever scored two goals a season, but hey, you've got a big-ass hip, so maybe you can help us with that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I tweeted this earlier, but he, also if you look at his, his signing on picture, his eyes and the Napoli shirt are exactly the same color, and it, it's beautiful. 
Okay, for that reason alone, then yeah, sure, do that deal. <laughs> Thank you for appreciating him. Um, speaking of old strikers that probably shouldn't be signed anymore, Radamo Falcao has gone to Galatasaray uh, along with uh, Mario Lamina from Southampton. Um, good deal for Galatasaray. That's not bad. I mean, I, they, I, I really don't know the level of player that they can sign anymore. Although, I, 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 need, I need to say this. I was just about to look at Falcao's goal-scoring ratio since the whole Premier League debacle. And I went to Wikipedia just now, and he must be the only football player whose Wikipedia picture is like one of those LinkedIn pictures that people put up. Like he's wearing a, a, a suit, like this <laughs> nice blue suit, like without the tie and just smiling, looking into your eyes. I'm like, wow. Like, who did, I think he wrote his own Wikipedia entry and put that picture in. That's just, just, just usually it's like, you know, on pitch pictures and stuff from like Getty images and stuff. But this is yeah. like straight from his photo studio. <laughs> wow. Maybe that's, maybe that's one of the services offered by his agent. His agent is like, I'll find you a move. I'll put you on LinkedIn. I'll do all the, I'll do your profile. I'll take care of everything. Wow, this is unbelievable. Uh, Tito yeah. Bakayoko has, uh, has left Chelsea on loan. Now, Chelsea must really think he's he's terrible because they can't sign anyone. They don't have that many midfielders, I guess, given Loftus cheek is injured and they still don't want him. Uh, no, he's a bit of a prick from what I understood. So I really? think, yeah, that's what I understood. I, I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what I hear. So it may be a a, a result of that. We'll see. Fair enough. Um, uh, also, sorry, just I'm enamored with Falcao. He scored 15 goals in the league last season. And his goal record for Monaco is 83 goals in 139 games. Wow. <laughs> and that's, that's with one knee at best. Yeah. <laughs> I know we call the league on a farmer's league, whatever. And he didn't do well in England, but woof, those are good numbers. Someone was tweeting about this the other day. Who was it? Uh... I can't remember, but they were talking about the the whole Farmers League thing. <laughs> and they were like, I don't know where, where the Farmers League thing started. I don't know why it started. But it sounds to me like playing in a Farmers League would actually be really difficult. You know what it is? I think I think the way people see Liga right now is the way they saw England, the Premier League, probably before United won Champions League 99. Where they're like, oh, yeah. don't really take you seriously. Like, you're fun and all, but <laughs> we, yeah. we just don't care. Yeah. It's slightly, slightly in the, well, I was going to say agricultural, but that kind of goes without saying if it's a farmer's league. Um, a couple other people leaving the Premier League uh, and and probably not before time. Uh, Mohamed Elneny, who uh, has barely played a game since um, Emery came in. So that makes sense. He's gone to Besiktas. Uh, and more interestingly, Nacho Monreal. Uh, from Arsenal to Real Sociedad for only £450,000, which seems not very much. It seems like he he really wanted to leave and the club just did him a favour. And, and yet we couldn't do that for Koscielny? <laughs> and maybe that's why they did that. <laughs> <laughs> like we don't maybe need another... Because of Koscielny, yeah. Another mutiny. Um, um, yeah. Kind of similar vein, except alone, but Alexis Sanchez has moved uh, from United to Inter. Um, I, I want to bring this up because <laughs> Twitter informs a lot of things for me. 
And uh, there seems now to be an official truce brokered by the United Nations between Manchester United fans and Arsenal fans accepting that this is <laughs> the worst deal ever done and that no one won and everyone took the L. And I think um, I think we need to ratify this uh, peace agreement uh, here on the Kasha, Alex. I, I'm happy to, to sign this. Um, I think it's a, a, a long overdue and, and good day for everyone involved. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy that, uh, that Mkhitaryan and Alexis Sanchez have found new homes. I wish them every success. Um, it is funny, though, isn't it? It's really <laughs> bizarre. It's like the weirdest transfer that ever happened. And then they're both leaving to go to Serie A on the same day, <laughs> both in admission of defeat. <laughs> and both just, with loans with no <laughs> options to buy. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, Manchester United literally paying like 10 million a year for him to play for someone else. Like, that's where we got to. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, the only reason, this is why it's so funny, why Mkhitaryan ended up at Roma is because they couldn't afford to pay him Santa's wages. <laughs> so they went, let's go for the other guy in the swap deal. <laughs> I can't believe that. It's so embarrassing on every level. It really is. It's so funny. Oh, man. But yeah. And, and, I don't know. Do we have any other interesting transfers to talk about? Because there's one that didn't happen. I, I, I just want to mourn over a little bit. I'm just like, oh, okay. So very quickly, let's touch on Nice. Uh, Patrick Vieira's niece. Uh, Vieira uh, is doing a very good job last season, um, despite my criticism, which was ill-informed. Uh, he um, ended up finishing seventh or eighth. Um, and then Nice have just been taken over by some English billionaire, Um and I need to do more research on this, but they've started splashing the cash. So they just bought Casper uh, Dolberg from Ajax for 18 million pounds. Dolberg's no. not really done anything by Ajax since he broke into the team, but it's just a bit of a statement of ambition, no? Yeah. Uh, the owner is Jim, I think his name is Jim Ratcliffe, and he is the richest man in England. Really? Uh, yes, he is. Huh. Uh, and this, uh, this hurts my soul because he's, a, he's what he called a suffering Manchester United fan. Oh, could have used your $22 billion dollar net, worth, net worth to uh, help us out. But, hey, he's helping Nice out, and, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Well, I mean, do you reckon Trump supporting Glazers would really sell at this point? No, because they, they're still going to make a shit ton of money <laughs> regardless. Great. <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, okay, just before you touch on the transfer that didn't happen, I will throw in uh, – Two more little ones. Uh, Herving Lozano, uh, PSG to Napoli, went through this week. Um, he made his debut, I believe, against Juventus in the 4-3 Juventus win and made and an score impact scoring a goal. Uh, so I think that's going to be a wonderful signing for Napoli. Really, look, really looking forward to seeing him play for them. So Renato Sanchez um, has finally given up on the Bayern Munich dream. He went to Lille for £22 million, which is interesting. Uh, nice to see like Liga clubs making some ambitious signings. Yeah, yeah. If um, if not ill advised, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> the, the two often go hand in hand. Okay, <laughs> what, what's the what's the one that you wanted to talk about? Bruno freaking Fernandez. I, I I I think on the first part of the season I mourned over us not signing him. Um, although when he talked, so he recently talked about 
his failed move to Tottenham. He never mentioned United, which suggests to me that United were not actually in for him, which is weird. Like, we don't, how dare us not be in for this guy? But anyway, uh, there were strong rumors that Real Madrid were going to sign him yesterday. And as, as, as listeners may know, if they're listening to us for a long time, there are some players I just love and I can't get rid of them. Like, they're, they're in my head, like Kagawa was and Soldado was, and they all were failure. <laughs> and um, I, this guy follows that. Like, I... I love this player. This is what he feels like a he feels like Raquel May to me, and I and I loved Raquel May. But he didn't get the move to Real Madrid, which means he's staying at Sporting Lisbon for another season. Yeah, something must be wrong with him. Either he's a total see you next Tuesday, or he has a criminal record and he failed the background check, <laughs> or something. I don't get it. But he's so talented, and no one wants to buy this guy. I don't understand it, but. Hey, looks like I'm going to watch Portuguese league football this year. Yes, I, I we discussed it before. You know, this summer it, it is weird. At the beginning of the summer, it seemed like City had had secured him, then that disappeared. Then United were in, and that disappeared. Although apparently they didn't act, weren't actually in, as you say. Then Spurs were in, and that looked like it was just a kind of leverage the Lo Celso deal, so that didn't go through. It's it's bizarre. I mean, the guy's stats are unbelievable. There's a chance that like, there's some kind of medical issue that no big club is willing to to take a risk on. We'll find out in the next year or two, I guess. Um, but maybe maybe it's just bad luck. Maybe the deals just couldn't get done. Sporting aren't the easiest club in the world to deal with. Uh, I mean, this is a uh, uh, a chair, or not chairman, but an owner who didn't didn't he like sack most of his squad at some point last season. Um, well, I think this is the new owner now because oh, that other owner, owner. Yeah. Because remember the fans kind of rioted and then the, the and they wanted the owner gone or the president gone, wherever he is. And then and that all the players actually left. And then including Bruno Fernandez, they all just canceled their own contracts and left. But Bruno came back when they got a new president or chairman or whatever it is. And I'm like, you shouldn't have come back. <laughs> <laughs> he really shouldn't. That was a that might be the biggest mistake he ever made. Uh also Neymar did not leave Paris Saint Germain. Um oh, God. Yeah. Like official, it's done. Yeah, it's it, it like it's not even one of those things where it's like, oh, they did they get the paperwork in time? There's no deal there. Uh, and I know this because Big Vang has <laughs> come out and said that he's so happy that Neymar is staying in in France and like well, I guess that's what it is. Why does Big Veng care? I think I think he's just into French football now. I don't think he's into the Premier League anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. He also he also said today apparently that we will see him back in the dugout. Um, I know that Mahana doesn't believe this anymore, but I I don't know. I, I still want to see it. Uh, I I want to see it in like. Uh, sporting Lisbon or something like that. <laughs> like I want to see him just in some random place, just having fun. Even if he even goes back to Japan, I just want to see it. Yeah, do so, do something. Big Big Bang teaming up with Iniesta to win the Japanese league. That that will uh, that will help. It, and speaking of managers who want to be in the dugout, um, let's talk a little bit before we get into the Premier League stuff. A uh, couple Arsenal fans are talking about the idea of Jose Mourinho managing Arsenal. Uh, one of them is our friend Mohamed. Uh, 
I, I personally find this absolutely shocking that any Arsenal fan is remotely interested in this man who insulted you, the history of your football club and your greatest manager and just hates all of you. Yeah, I don't know why anyone's okay with this, with the idea. I don't really know why it's coming up beyond the fact that Emery's contract, well, it ends at the end of this year and they have the option to extend it. So basically they'll... I guess they'll look at where the team is in, in January, February, March and make a decision. Um, in which case, it's possible that you have um, you have a big vacancy at Arsenal. Although, personally, I think that with the squad as is, they'll finish top four. So I don't think it's going to be an issue. But just just to go through what, what this would be like, I mean, why don't, you, why don't you tell us what it was like having him as Manchester United manager? For the two, was it two, three years that you had him? Two and a half or something. Did, um, did you find it, it fun supporting your team? I'll be very honest. It was the single worst period in the six years for me. Um, I know a lot of people did not like David Moyes, and for good reason. Um, but David Moyes was not as just suffocating as Jose Mourinho to me. I knew, you know, there was an end point. At some point, I was like, I know, I know they're going to attack David Moyes. So mentally, I checked out. I can move on. But Jose Mourinho was this will they won't won't they thing, and he insulted the fans in my opinion. He insulted the club in my opinion. While he was given over, I think the same amount of money as Pep Guardiola or something like that. Um, I don't know if it was up to a billion, but he was given a lot of money to spend. He created this team. He did not get rid of Deadwood like Ole is doing right now. He he kept the same players. He promoted Ashley Young to left back. So screw you for that. He, he he spent so much money, molded the squad, insulted the squad, wanted more, and just, ugh, like, no, man, no. Like, and you're going to have, Arsenal would have less money to spend, so he's going to just complain more. It, it's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. Josie Mourinho's idea of a football club, I quote, is, if you're not going to keep up spending with your competitors, you're not going to compete. Arsenal will never keep up spending with the competitors. So I don't understand how this makes any rational sense. And I think I would enjoy it because he would ruin you personally. But. He, <laughs> he, he would ruin us. And spending, spending aside, I mean, you know, we just bought Pepe for 72 million. I mean, you know, amortized over five years or whatever. But I don't even think spending is the issue because I wouldn't want him spending my money anyway. I mean, look at the players that he bought at Manchester United. Look at the team that he created. It was horrendous. Uh, and he ended up wanting to get rid of all of his signings after a year or so anyway. Um, he literally only he spent $75 million of Man United's money on Lukaku to stop him going from Chelsea. That's not why you sign someone. Um, he he signed you know, Lukaku without a plan on how to use Lukaku. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so, no, it would be a disgrace. It would, you know, Arsenal are bringing through some exciting young players right now. That would stop immediately. You know, for all the for your, for all the uh, I gave McTominay his debut bullshit. You know, he's not someone that brings through young players. He's not someone that plays good football. Mahan I mean, let's talking not about... forget some of us like McTominay, but McTominay's entrance into football was an agenda. <laughs> like, yeah, there's no reason to blood and use based on a personal vendetta against your best player. Like what? <laughs> I think you need to make that edit to McTominay's Wikipedia. I think that needs to be the introductory line. McTominay's introduction to the Man United squad was an agenda. 
It needs to be written down somewhere. Oh, anyway, I, I think uh, between the two of us, we can we can quash that horrible idea. Yes. 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 Uh, that's another agreement we will ratify. Uh, that's done. <laughs> yeah, getting a lot done. These are these are great meetings. All right, let's exactly. take a very quick break, and then we will uh, talk about what happened in the Premier League this weekend. All right. So, uh, first game of the weekend was Manchester United against Southampton. And um, <laughs> I would delve deeply into this, except what I will say is, see previous pods. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, there, there are a couple of things that I did want to add. Daniel James being the best player for Manchester United is weird. <laughs> it is weird. And he certainly won't have predicted that before he arrived. Like he, wouldn't, he, didn't, no. he wouldn't have thought he would show up and be the team's superstar. I will say two of his goals have been absolute worldies. Um, I really have. So give, give him a lot of credit. But on that, I was doing some research for this, and I was looking at, like, what have United done? Like, why are they so weird? Because defensively, I was like, they seem pretty good, though, you know, individual errors, but they're not letting teams have chances after chance. And I looked at it, and shots per game allowed, they're better than Liverpool, Arsenal, and Tottenham. Um, only City are above them. In terms of goals conceded, it's only four. Meanwhile, your your lot, Spurs, Chelsea have conceded a lot more, albeit you played Chelsea, sorry, City and Liverpool, right? I think. Um, possession stats, United are second behind City. And City's number is 57.9%, United is 57.8%. So they're actually dominating games, but there is one major flaw. And I'll I'll give you one guess because we have a trivia coming up, so let's practice. What is United's biggest flaw? Come on, Alex, you know it. Well, hang on. What do you mean by flaw? Like, what is the biggest reason why they're in the shape that they're in right now? Like, on the field, that is. I'm going to say converting chances. Creating them. XG? They're XG. So... Uh, XG is not actually, actually is about where it's supposed to be um, attacking wise in terms of they're not actually like they don't create that many chances. So the ones that they get, they, they put them away. So their XG is about right. Their XGA is the highest in the league that um, expected goals allowed. When I say highest, I mean lowest. <laughs> so they're right, defending right, well, right, right. but they're not creating chances. Like if you look at the XG for uh, Liverpool and City, it's stupidly high <laughs> like, oh, because they're creating so many good chances that you're expected to score from. Meanwhile, United are just not doing that. Defensively, they're actually doing what they're supposed to do, but they're right. not. They're not scoring and they're not creating chances to score. So, Bruno Fernandez. But anyway, alas, alas, alas. Yeah, no. Uh, someone looked at that midfield and said, "This is fine." Um, if Pogba's not on his game everything will still be okay anything other than anything positive other than James to take out of this game uh, I will take Aaron Wambasaka again um, he had 12 tackles in this game he was not beaten at all he now has the highest by far <laughs> number of successful tackles in the league and he's won 15 of 16 duels this season so I still take him as a positive I think Maguire as a positive um, he did well Lindelof did not do well um, although he made one mistake, so I don't know if that's doing well or not, but it, it, it's not good enough from that perspective. So I take the defenders again as positives outside of Daniel James. Fair enough. At, at some point, you know, Basaka is approaching that territory where where Van Dyke is, where 
people are going to run up to him and then say, forget it, and turn around and just pass somewhere else. <laughs> because there's oh, no point oh. trying to take him on. There was a complete moron on Twitter who tries to suggest that he's not a good defender because he actually gets put out of position and is forced to make the tackle, except that's what he, he wanted. I, like, I, I don't get that at all. <laughs> How are you a bad defender when you keep making successful tackles? That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, Paolo Maldini was horrendous. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, do we know uh, who, which team that guy supported? Because I'm sure that has something to do with it. Liverpool fan. There you go. He's right. a journalist by a Liverpool fan, so you can't remove the bias from journalism. <laughs> uh, All right. Chelsea drew 2-2 with Sheffield United. Um, first off, uh, there's been a plea by Sheffield United fans telling commentators to stop calling them Sheffield. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, I'm not just like, uh, yeah, just like Joel Inton, you know, let's call people by the name they're supposed to be called. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, no, I, I said at the beginning of the season, and you know, not that it took a Nostradamus to predict this, but Chelsea were going to be fun this season, and they have been so much fun so far. Every game they've played in has been high-scoring, entertaining. They can't defend. You know, Zuma's horrendous. Aspilicueta is losing his mind, especially in this game. Um, and they're good going forward. Tammy Abraham now has four goals in two games, which is lovely to see. Um, but yeah, they're just all over the place. And I, for one, am massively enjoying it. Like, they are so bad defensively. And I mean, <laughs> so bad. I thought David Luiz was bad. Ooh, Kurt Zuma the fool. Oh, my God. It is so, it is, it is horrendous. And it's not going to get better. They've conceded nine goals. Like, there's just over two goals a game. It's not good enough. And they've scored six. So they're not, I mean, right now they're picking up a lot of goals, but, you know, you've got, you've, you've at this point, they have to really win games 4-3. <laughs> yes. It's really what they have to do, and, and I, I'm not sure that's enough. Maybe they know, can bring Kevin Keegan in as assistant manager to help them do that. <laughs> he, he loved a good 4-3, didn't he? He really did. But there's an argument that they should maybe – replace Azpilicueta and Zuma with like Reese James and uh, Tamori and just go for an all-out youth defense? Honestly, they, should, they might as well. They already have the second worst defense in the league. Um, one goal less than Norwich, so you might as well go all guns blazing and just <laughs> go for it at this point. Fair enough. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Man City beat Brighton 4-0. That's a that's a solid prediction. I, I, I yeah, think if you yeah. if you predicted anything last year, you were probably uninformed. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Uh, they they were one nil up within two minutes, which which prompted me to say that uh, that the league is just a bit too easy for them in general. I mean, you know, there are four nils and there are four nils, and there are teams that win most weeks, uh, like Liverpool. But City just seem to find it. Very, very easy. I mean, you have the best manager in the game right now who's been allowed to assemble a team with the best players who can play his system, and you're playing against Brighton. Like, <laughs> I, I, it, that's a no-brainer to me. And realistically, I know they're behind Liverpool in the standings, but they should be on top on goal difference because that Spurs game was 
that was fake news. <laughs> first game would was. not have been a loss. Like that was unbelievable fake news. And their record is 14 goals, four, three against. But I mean, come on, they're they're they're, they're gonna be they're gonna be there. They're gonna win, I think. And you know, Kevin De Bruyne already has five assists this season. Um, so bad I don't know. We're gonna keep calling him exactly. If we're gonna call him a fraud, that's in the, I think he'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really will. And Aguero killing it as well. Another couple of goals for him. Uh, just going to throw in that I, I finally had some good uh, Fantasy Premier League news when I captained Aguero. Uh, the the only good decision I think I've made all season. Yeah, I'll get onto that in a minute because I got let down by by some some people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go to Liverpool who beat Burnley three 0 um, I find this result actually impressive, and I'm not sure if I'm crazy, but I just always have this image of Burnley as a resolute defense. I think I'm not sure if they were that last season or not, but that's how I see them. So beating them three nil it seems impressive to me, but I don't know what the reality of their situation is right now. I think they tend to. Why this is impressive is it's away. Burnley at home. When you're at home, playing Burnley isn't much of a problem. They're just a kind of average to mid-table team. When you play them at their place, it tends to be more difficult because, you know, it, it's windy and and the crowds all hate you and, uh, you know, th- those kind of factors. But Liverpool just blew them away. Again, it, it, was, it was very easy for them. Um, it, it, it always re- surprises me that Aaron Lennon is still playing football. He pops up in Burnley. Wow, I forgot about him. Yeah, but you know, anyway, Liverpool was two 0 up at half time. Firmino put put the the gloss on it, you know, late on, and I, I don't. It feels like a disservice when we talk about these City and Liverpool games to not go into detail on them. But as I said, they're just finding it so easy. We're kind of running out of things to say about these teams. They, well, 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 they're they're, they're giving us some good. They're giving us some good material, though. I mean, so. Uh, for people who may not have listened to prior episodes, but Mohammed has an agenda against me, okay? Because I said that this was Mane's team. Now, I did re- retract that statement and say this was Salah's team. You know, I was wrong despite them scoring the same amount of goals last year and, and uh, Mane actually, you know, working harder for the team. But I'll leave that alone because I did say what I said. But Mane and Salah... Listen to the podcast. I'm 100% sure of this because they heard our little tepetep and they took it personally because Salah refused to pass to Mane uh, in this game. Like, not even one. I'm making that up. But he didn't pass in this one particular instance and Mane was furious. (laughs) And then Mane got subbed off and the story is that he was fuming at Salah even while he was on the bench. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Salah completed 0% of his passes at Germany. <laughs> so that convinced me that, here's what I think happened, okay? I think Sadio Mane heard about this podcast called Under the Kosh, without the E and just the R, and wanted mm. to listen back like everyone does in England, and mm. found us, and mm. fell in love and said, you know what? That Bernie guy, he's got a point there. This is my team. It's all he's attacking the damn ball. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe he did, maybe he did. Uh, yeah, those, those two, those two are fun. I, they're, they're, I did notice a few occasions where Salah really should have passed it. And, I mean, that, that's kind of what he does, though, and, and it tends to work out because you know he scores so many goals. But 
I'm sure they'll get over it. Uh, one, one guy that we should actually mention now that I think about it is is Fabinho, who has been absolutely class recently and was, again, uh, he dominated the, the pitch uh, in this game. Um, and it strikes me that he's reminding me of uh, another lanky Brazilian, uh, Gilberto Silva. Ooh. Just in the way that he goes about things. It's, it's not flashy. He's very efficient. You know, he's, he's basically a wall. Not much gets past him. And he has the athleticism to break and join him with the attack as well. I, I, you know what? Now you mention it, it sounds pretty good. It sounds pretty good. And he's probably, if he, hasn't, if he didn't get one for this international break, he, he deserves a, a call-up for Brazil, in my opinion. Oh. Um, sure. Well, he, he gets called up for Brazil. They just tend to play him at right back, which is a massive waste of everyone's time. Oh, uh, okay. Because he did play right back a couple of times in Monaco, so a lot of people who couldn't see him weren't really sure what his best position was. Yeah. yeah. Um, on, on that note of Walt, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't congratulate Virgil van Dijk for winning uh, UEFA Best Player or something like this. Or, oh, no. <laughs> it's the Ballon d'Or. What am I talking about? He won the Ballon d'Or. Did he? Like, is that are you sure, are you sure that's what it was? Well, didn't they split up the FIFA best and Ballon d'Or? Uh, we really need Mohamed for this. As you know, this isn't really my forte. No, he won the FIFA best award. Oh, he won the FIFA best. Okay. Didn't he? Which is... Well, hold on. I'll, no, no, I'll no. No, no, no. Here we go. He won the UEFA Player of the Year award. What? That's what it was? <laughs> yeah, you were right. I was right. wondering he... why Ronaldo was very casual. <laughs> Not wearing a suit. UEFA Men's Player of the Year Award, which I did not know was an award. Wow. Uh, okay, that's very unimportant. <laughs> I honestly thought he won either FIFA Best or the Ballon d'Or. Never mind. Anyway, props to him because he probably does deserve it. I, uh, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe Messi does, but you know, if there's no, if you know how Modric won in spite of Messi. Yeah. Um, if there's one guy who you, I'm, I'm okay with winning and not Messi, it's Van Dyke because of what he did for Liverpool, transforming them into a defensive force. Um, so I, I, I'm okay with that and not okay with Modric. Fair enough. Do you want to quickly hear the top 10? Because there seems to be a point-based system. Sure. So Van Dyke won uh, with 305 points, Messi on second with 207 points, Cristiano Ronaldo, Alisson Becker, Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, Eden Hazard, Matthias De Ligt, Frankie de Jong, and Raheem Sterling. Sorry, um, Alex, can you repeat Salah and Mane's points? Uh, yes, I can do that. Number four, Alison Becker. Number five, Sadio Mane. Uh-huh. Number, Number five, Sadio Mane. And Salah <laughs> Number... is uh, what? <laughs> huh? Number six. Although, ah, what, what will be a Alex consolation... My, uh, math. Uh, five is ahead of six, right? Just, yeah. right? As far as I understand, although math isn't my, my strong point, but what what Mohamed will take uh, some consolation from is that uh, Mohamed Salah at number six is one place ahead of Eden Hazard at number seven. Oh, uh, okay. That's fair. That's fair. I didn't Whatever. attack my statement, but hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wins, man. Everyone wins. Uh, real quick, um, I want to talk about everything Wolves. I don't know why. No, <laughs> I, mean, no. I can't remember what. Oh, I want to talk about it because so Everton won 3-2 in a great game, um, but Wolves' defense is absolutely garbage. 
And um, their midfield is weird. Ruben Neves is actually having a strange season. He's not been very good, even though I still want to sign him for $100 million. But uh, he has not been very good. Um, the team has not been very good. No one in the midfield has been very good. They get overrun every game. And today, Richarlison, sorry, in that game, Richarlison carved them up. What a performance he had. Like, wow. He did. He, he was phenomenal. And Everton are starting to click. And who would have thunk it? But they started to look really a lot better once Moise Ken started a game instead of Dominic Calvert, useless Lewin. Yep, yep. And um, he did get taken off for Dominic Calvert, useless Lewin anyway. Um, Eventually, so yeah. Fraud Silva still has a lot to answer for. Um, however, uh, I, I'll, I remember why I want to talk about this game because Moise Ken has gotten the Graham Sunes treatment. Um, oh, which is right. just be black and get and get vilified. Like yeah. the kid did absolutely nothing wrong, and soon after talking about him possibly having a bad attitude, either he's completely uninformed as to why he left, which is last year of his contract, um, them needing to get money off uh, as a result, and of course, uh, with Iguain coming back, they can't move Iguain so they can make money off him. Those are all things, and either he didn't know this. Or he's a racist. Either way, it's unacceptable for someone in his position. I completely agree, and I suspect that it's probably both. I suspect that he doesn't know any of that, and that he's racist. Yeah. Um, I just hope he gets fired one day, and I, I just, I just hope he drops a couple n bombs and just let's get it out in the open and deal with it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, just it's drop, drop the drop point. the mask, man. We all know. Exactly. Uh, Arsenal-Tottenham, which was the game of the weekend. Um, another, you know, this was a literally, well, actually not a game of two halves because you did score in the end of the first half, but mm. this was a very strange game. Arsenal came out, I thought, guns blazing, um, yep. mind the Arsenal pun, but really came out strong. Um, I thought Tottenham were clueless and didn't really know how to handle it. It's just a little bit more efficiency from Arsenal and they could have been up. Um, but the shocking level of defending that Arsenal showed in this game is it, unacceptable. It's, and, and you can't attack the way you attack and show just the verve and the, and the audacity of your attacking play and then defend like that. Like that first goal Mohamed points out, and I, I hope I can find the tweet, but basically he highlighted all the things that went wrong in one particular move. And it's a lot of things. <laughs> it's a lot of things. Let me see. Alex, Alex what did you think while I pull up the, uh, um, the tweet? Yeah, I, I, agree, I agree with your assessment so far. Arsenal came out of the blocks. They were firing. Emery has a very good record of getting Arsenal to be uh, up for these derbies and to play, you know, pretty much to, the, to their maximum potential. But it's a lot of passion and it's not very much calm. And we saw that because for the first 10 minutes, Arsenal dominated. He created a couple of chances. And then with Spurs, what must have been their first counter-attack, they scored. Um, you know, Lamella got played through. His shot was awful. Leno who I know you dislike and who I have defended made a horrendous error in pushing that out to Ericsson who, who had a tap in. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, Arsenal just handed Spurs a two nil lead. Um, 
once Spurs scored, they started to act like a competent team and actually attack Arsenal. Um, and then it really could have been two or three uh, with a minute. Son had a couple of good chances. Um, you know, Louise and, and Socrates looked all over the place. Um, but but the penalty, I, I don't know how many times we've spoken about Granite Xhaka. It, it probably every week, probably once a week. I'm so well, sick of talking me... about the man. Let's just talk about him just a little bit. Because in that first tweet, Mo says, so many individual mistakes. Jaka misses the header. Louise caught in two minds. Leno weak wrist, which he has done three or four times now. And, and the, um, I think Papa is the craft. is not following the runner. His next tweet is, Jaka, just fuck off, man. His next tweet after that is, how long are we going to put up with Jaka? For fuck's sake, Edu, do something. I can't. Next tweet. This is out of Emery's hands now. This is Edu and Sanlehi level. Get rid of Xhaka now. Next tweet. Guendouzi is like 12 men and showing Xhaka how to play football. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mohamed went down a bit of a rabbit hole there, but he's not wrong. <laughs> he's not wrong in anything that he says there. Granit Xhaka has been uh, a liability from the day that he joined, and it hasn't got any better. And I don't understand why anyone continues to give him the game time that he gets, the captain's armband when he's clearly displayed not enough maturity uh, or tranquility to be a leader. Because you can't just, you know, by all accounts around the training ground and around the club, but he's, he is a leader. He's, you know, he's a good bloke. Um, you know, he has values. But you also need to lead by example. And if you're sliding in about two seconds too late on an opposition forward in the box with no reason to do so, to give away a penalty, to give the opposition, who are your North London rivals, a 2-0 lead, you're just not fit for purpose. You're just not. And it doesn't help that you know the guy has the turning circle of a boat and, and, and <laughs> zero dynamism it, you know, in, a, in a league where your central midfielders really need to be mobile. But the slowness of thought on its own is enough to, to drop this guy. It's just, it's time. And when Mahan talks about Guendouzi, who, you know, we'll get onto because he had a fabulous game and what a wonderful assist he got for Aubameyang's goal to, to, to level it. He's right. Like Guendouzi is what, 20 years old and he is sensational and he's really drawing a contrast to how, how useless Granite Xhaka is. Yeah, I don't, I don't get this. Thing. Like, I was talking to my brother-in-law, and he's a big fan of Jaka, which I find strange to begin with. But he was saying that he's great progressing the ball and passing. I went, mm, even then, even then, I don't, I don't think, you know, the, the odd Hollywood pass that gets to a guy doesn't mean you're a great passer of the ball. Like, Guendouzi is actually a much better passer of the ball than Jaka, as far as I'm concerned, as well as he can play the ambitious ball and get it to someone, as you saw with the... Aubameyang goal, and now he's got his, his France call-up, albeit because Pogba and Hussein Auer, or however you say his name, at Lyon are injured. But yeah. still, you know, for a 20-year-old to be even third you know, place on the pecking order there, that's, that's very impressive. And for me, Xhaka is, sorry, Guendouzi is everything that Arsenal fans thought Xhaka was going to be, even for three or four years into Xhaka's career. He's, he's done. He's finishing these streets. You guys have got to put that horse down. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I agree. And, and there are a number of things 
things that we learned from this game. Um, from an Arsenal perspective, um, when you think about what the lineup will be, everyone fit or what it could be, it's actually very exciting. If you think about, uh, I mean, the centre-backs, are the situation is what it is. Can't change it for now. When yeah, Bellerin and Tierney come back and replace, and replace the full-backs, um, that will be lovely. Then in front of those, you could have a midfield three of, of Torreira, Guendouzi, and uh, Ceballos, who had a wonderful cameo when he came on. And then, of course, you've got the very exciting front three with Pepe, Aubameyang, and Lacazette, which we got the first look at um, on on the weekend. So that, you know, once everyone's fit, if they can keep people fit, is is a very good first 11. Um, after that, it, that's you, the you, thing. Yeah. Can you keep him fit? Because Bellerin can never stay fit. So I think he's a guaranteed, he's a shoe in to get injured again. And Maitland has to play a lot of games. And Tierney supposedly has a, you know, he played more than 20 games in the league in the last couple of years, something like this. So keeping them fit for a club that notoriously is not good at keeping players fit, that will literally make or break a top four, not talent wise. Because I think, you know, you have the talent. I think you have a more tactically astute manager than say Chelsea and Manchester United. So I think there's no reason for you not to have a relatively successful season. Um, but it's, can you keep people fit? That's really where this is good. You're going to live and die at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, from the, from the other side of, of, uh, North London, it was, uh, it was a weird game for Spurs. I thought, um, not for the first time this season, Pochettino, uh, let his team, sit deep uh, in a 4-4-2 and, and, and hit the opposition on the counter. Now, in general, it's not necessarily a bad idea against against big teams and, and big games away from home, but that's only good if, if you're confident that your defense can actually hold out and demonstrably Spurs can't. And, and I don't know about you, but watching this in the second half, it was very obvious that Arsenal were going to equalize. It was, I mean, yes. It, you could see it coming and, and frankly Spurs were lucky not to lose this game because they just invited so much pressure and they only changed that once Arsenal came back to 2-2 and what was kind of ridiculous from a Spurs point of view is that once they did change it and they brought Lucelso on and they pushed higher up the pitch and they started attacking again in the last 10 minutes they created like two or three more chances so you just look at it and 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 think why on earth didn't you spend more time attacking because you probably would have won the game if you had i i think that spurs need to be very very careful um spurs united chelsea are sitting on the same amount of points and again they have a better team and better manager than the other two but they're playing a style that they didn't even play last year and it's clearly not working i don't know what they're doing they've signed better players Yes, I know that LaCelso is not up to it yet, but Lamella, as I said on thread, has not been up to it for three years. So I don't understand why he doesn't start. Lamella is injured, I get that. But it's a stylistic thing that's bugging me. And you cannot sit back and, against Arsenal. I think, you, I think Arsenal's midfield with Xhaka in it is bad enough that you can high press. And their defense is terrible that you can do what you usually do, which is a high press counterattack. That's how they play. And they played into Arsenal's hands, in my opinion, here. But, you know, I, I, I have a strange feeling that they're actually going to have a tough season um, for some reason. Yeah, um, but, yeah.
Um, let's use this opportunity to talk about Syria. Ah, um, I, I find them more interesting than um, La Liga right now. Right now, uh, yeah, for sure. Mostly because they've signed some really weird players, but I want to see how they get on. Um, I do want to start with Inter Milan only because uh, of the racist abuse that uh, Romelu Lukaku suffered. Um, I'm not, I was his biggest fan before. I'm not right now, but that does not mean that we're not going to tell you the truth about, you know, the treatment of players. Calories should be banned. To be honest, they should be relegated yep. from Syria. This is the fourth, the fourth time in as many years that this has happened. Well, Syria. apparently in four years, twelve players have come out and and said this. So yeah. that's 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 eleven players too many <laughs> for me. You know, you've got yep. to ban this team. Either you give them a whole season of playing behind closed doors, or you just relegate them if they're not going to do anything. It's unacceptable that Lukaku, while taking a penalty, has to deal with that, and he scored, showing that he has mental toughness about him. And they won the game, but he should never have to deal with that. Never, never, never. Yep, agreed. Uh, sad, um, and, you know, infuriating. Um, I'm just glad that he scored in that into one. Um, but yeah, Serie I won't do anything about it. They never do. And uh, a player who I fully expect to be racially abused um, <laughs> is uh, Kalidou Koulibaly. Um, he did not have a good game uh, against Juventus. But then again, I'm not sure any defender had a good game uh, in this game. Juventus ended up winning 4-3. Uh, he was absolutely embarrassed by Iguain. I think, for the first goal. Iguain, I think, lifted over him and then uh, did a great finish afterwards. And then Koulibaly scored the own goal after Napoli. Were they down 3-1 or something like this? They they were down, yes. So they were down 3-0, actually. Then um, uh, Manolas brought, got one back. Then Lozano got the goal on his debut. Um, and uh, Di Lorenzo tied it up with 81 minutes to go, at which point I did, I did prophetically tweet that uh, Napoli still had 10 minutes to, to mess this up. Uh, and 10 minutes later... Uh, Serie A did what Serie A does and gave Juventus a win by one goal. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, that, that old uh, Calciopoli. Mm-hmm. Uh, gotta love it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, w- it was a great game. And if, this, if, these are the, if these are the two teams that are going to be challenging, well, it probably won't be a challenge, but we know the one-two punch in this league, then, you know, at least that will be exciting. Because also, so these two teams don't really sign castaways, necessarily, like the rest of them do. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm very impressed by by what I see, at least attacking-wise. I feel like, and we kind of alluded to this in the beginning, the quality of defending in Serie A is probably going to die with Chiellini. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, Matthias Delet, uh, a lot of people think I have some, some weird agenda against this boy, but I don't think he's a great defender in, in the essence and you know how I am about defending in the essence of what yeah, yeah. is. his positioning is very terrible he gets beaten one on one he did he is a leader type of player and he does score goals so he's basically a Dutch young Sergio Ramos but Sergio Ramos is not a good defender in the act of defending so hopefully he's at Juventus where he's going to learn but what he did for that goal that Lozano scored was just amateur hour it was absolutely was- amateur hour that was a droppable offense, to be honest. I, I don't know what he was doing. Unless he was suffering from an injury and, and physically couldn't get back into position, he saw Lozano there and just didn't do anything about it. It was it was bizarre. Yeah, absolutely bizarre. 
But, uh, yeah, uh, a wonderful game. Um, just on your point that this might be the one-two punch, I actually think uh, that Inter will be right there with them. Um, not necessarily because of the signings they've made, uh, but because I just think that Antonio Conte guarantees title contention. Um, and I think his clarity, I mentioned it before, but the clarity of what he wants to do is he knows his formation, he knows his players. Um, I think they'll be very consistent this season. So I, I, I would have agreed with you with them. if he didn't play like the Panthers, I would have agreed with you because that doesn't show any clarity of anything. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I do agree with that point. I do agree with that point. Um, we don't have too much time, but just really quick, La Liga, Barcelona did not win. I, nope. I think that ended 2-2. Um, and Messi didn't play, right? No, he's still he's still up. Ah, okay. So that explains that. Ansu Fati and Artur scored. I don't even know who Ansu Fati is. Uh, he's the 16-year-old. That, remember last week when he came off the bench and it was like, this is the youngest player ever to played in Barcelona or whatever it was. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. last week he made his debut. This week he scored a goal. So good for him. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah if, he's, if he's scoring the goals, then that's a bit of a problem. I, I would imagine um, people would think with uh, Griezmann starting. Ooh, Griezmann started with Perez and Rafinha. Interesting. Yeah. Meanwhile, okay. his uh, his old club, Atletico, are uh, three for three in the league. They were two 0 down to Ibar and came back and won three two, which was nice. I'd, I'd, this could be this could be you know I'm not gonna say it could be their year. It's, they've already had their year, you know. But this could be interesting. This could be very interesting for them. Uh, two points clear is all I'm saying. That's <laughs> all you need. Uh, Jean Felix scored again. Yep. Uh, you know what? I doubted this transfer, but I should remember it. It's Atleti, and they have the best record with strikers that we, in the world. In the history of football, Phenomenal. they have the best record with strikers. So. Phenomenal. Um, record. I should never doubt them. Uh, Real Madrid did not yes. win. This is the one, man. This is the one. Gareth Bale got a brace. <laughs> Gareth Bale is shoving this so far up Zidane. I guess it's so good. It's the best story. Not only did he get two goals, he got sent off after equalizing it's just it's it's wonderful i'm i'm on his side here yeah i i, I don't know why I, I i how i got to this point but i'm on his side and i think he might outlast zidane i if results keep going this way he's absolutely going to because it's very clear that he's not going anywhere uh so you know zidane better start winning or this is this embarrassment is going to get even worse and what i want when when and if, if and when he does outlast um, Zidane, is for him to just put out the pettiest tweet. <laughs> I just want him to go off. I don't know. Like, I actually like Zidane, but this, I think the world needs this level of petty and needs this feud in the story. It, it yeah. just makes things a lot more interesting. So just a gif of someone waving goodbye or something, you know, something subtle. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, there was a Champions League draw, which obviously none of us pay attention to. Um, so, yeah, it's just a dumb competition. We all care about Thursday football anyway. Um, <laughs> my lot are going to Kazakhstan, so, yeah. <laughs> hey, you can visit uh, Azmir Begovic. Uh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. I don't know where you guys are going, but... 
Uh, so do I. We only, I literally we only didn't talk about curses. <laughs> That's yeah, actually all I know. Oh, wait. We're going to Kazakhstan and to, I think, Belgrade. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. Lovely tourist destinations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all right. Well, we we are uh, we're about to run into two weeks of international break, so maybe maybe we can do a, a little pod on the on the Champions League on the groups previewing it or something like that. But because uh, I don't think there's too much appetite to cover the international football. But um, yeah, maybe we'll do other that. Other than that, the next time you'll see us or hear from us will be our trivia night on September 11th or 10th. I watch the Yes, sir. So that is 7 o'clock, September 11th at Opera Bob's downtown Toronto. Um, as we said last week, the link to the event is on our Twitter page. Go and find it. It's the pinned tweet. Um, if you live in Toronto and you know your football, uh, it's cheap, it's fun, and uh, I've made it sound like something it isn't. But it's, uh, it's a good time. Come on out. Yeah, Alex has been uh, very inappropriate this whole podcast. So <laughs> as I usually do on our group chat, I will send him a GIF of VAR and a GIF of a red card after that. I, I accept my punishment. Good. We won't have to give you three matches then. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Benny. Speak to you soon. All right. Take care, Alex. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com.